Welcome to the Crash the Pond podcast. It is a Monday trade deadline edition of the show. And oh boy, have we got a lot. And I mean a lot to discuss here, Jake. I hope you're ready. I hope you're properly hydrated. I hope you've had everything that you need to to perform here because this is going to be... This is going to be a dense episode. There's going to you know, be a lot to discuss. We're going back to our roots with the post-game episode after I woke up at 6 a.m. and <laughs> watched some trade deadline coverage and definitely had nothing to do with the fact that my ankle hurts from last night's uh, beer league game. So, you know, running on fumes, but I've got the energy right now. I'm good to go. Who knows where we'll be when we hit the shit show part of the show, though? Yeah, I, I don't know if we if we have that quite in us tonight, but that's not what this is about. Today... Today's show, I should say tonight's show, correct, is a post is a post game show, which we did specifically because it was a popular demand that people wanted to have the live stream after the game, and so we're giving the people what they want here. Uh, that's that's what we're that's what we're all about is giving people what they're asking for. Now we are both running on fumes. It's been a long day of of staring at Twitter and writing articles and and what have you. But can I, can I ask you a question? Yeah, how many times did you just furiously refresh Twitter from about 12 p.m. on? Uh, probably a million. Yeah, somewhere in that vicinity. A lot yeah. more than I'm more than I'm proud to admit. Yeah, but it's okay yep. be- because it was all worth it. Unlike yep. in previous years where we have spent the day refreshing and trying to decode cryptic tweets. Without anything to show for it, this year the Ducks actually delivered for us. And I shouldn't even say the Ducks delivered for us. Let's just call it what it is. Pat Verbeek delivered for us. Pat did not stand Pat. I've been waiting to say that all day. All day. And I'm actually wearing these glasses in honor of Pat Verbeek and his own stylish glasses. Mine are not close. but No, they are not. Sorry. Thanks. They're not. Uh, uh, but, But doing this in his honor. So... Let's just get right into it, Jake. Last week on the show, we broke down the Josh Manson trade, and that was really the precursor to all of this. Um, do you? I mean, I, I don't think we really need to go over that again because there's new stuff to talk about. Yeah. The first, I, the, the the first trade that broke since that time, we can just get this one out of the way quickly. Nick Delorier gone to the Minnesota Wild in exchange for a 2023 third round pick. Your reaction. I mean, the Ducks acquired Nick Deloria, what was it, in the summer of 2019 for a fourth-round pick, and Pat Verbeek somehow took that and got more value back for a guy that was a pending, unrestricted free agent. So, I mean, they took a guy that had basically no trade value, I, I think is a good way of putting it. Or not, sorry, no trade value. I, I don't, they, I don't so, know if you had so, no trade no, value. No, no, <laughs> I, I meant to say no real on-ice uh, impact value. Let's go with that. Yeah. That was what I meant to say. And was able to get that guy traded and get a third round pick in return for him. And, and that's just excellent return. Excellent job of reading the market and knowing what he could get and getting an excellent return for someone that really has no on ice impact uh, for the Ducks. I mean, we, we've gone over this many, many times, but the RAPM charts are not favorable to Nick Delorier. Uh, player cards, war, not favorable to Nick Delorier. This is a guy that he's basically there to be a good locker room guy. And the thing is, you can find guys that are good locker room guys that are also have or also have a positive impact on the ice. So right. great for Pat Verbeek here. 
Right, exactly. And, and that's the whole thing is that Pat Verbeek really cashed in on the cognitive dissonance that still exists in the NHL where people see a guy like Nick Delorier dropping the gloves, you know, laying late hits or finishing his checks on, on the forecheck and scoring the very occasional goal and quote-unquote killing penalties and associate that with a guy who's having an impact on the game because visibly it seems to be the case but as you just mentioned when you dig into the data when you look at what actually happens when he's out there beyond just the the highlights so to speak the ducks get outplayed with nick deloria on the ice and it's and it's in a a very handy fashion and that's not what you want it's going to be very difficult to win games with players like that dotting your lineup and so to get a third round pick for a player like that and of course he was an expiring he was on an expiring deal there was really no sense in keeping him around anyway. So to get anything remotely of value for him is just a tidy piece of business by Pat Verbeek. Yeah. Yep. One hundred percent. So I don't. I, I don't. I don't know if there's really a ton else to say about this con. I mean, about this trade. It's just no. Like, I like mean, smart move. I, I think it's a smart move. I think from the perspective of long term planning of the this team and that's something i think that the team is going to be looking into now and that's something we'll talk about a lot more in the future as the next couple weeks happen and it's going to be less about wins and losses and more about process overall but you're going to be able to see i mean potentially hopefully dallas akins use different guys in the penalty kill different guys in higher leverage defense situations um with spots that uh nick delore was getting and quite frankly should not have been in those positions we're potentially maybe going to see Troy Terry on the penalty kill, which is something I've been clamoring for all season because of the way he, he kind of looks in defensive metrics. Um, so these are all things that are really positive for the ducks because not only are they able to get the value from uh, Nick Deloy in terms of getting the third round pick, but they're also going to have the value by opening up spots on the roster for other guys to get looks in the situations that he was in. And, and I think that that is one of the I, things that probably not a lot of people are going to talk about with this, but Nick Deloria was overused by the Ducks in a lot of these situations. So um, I, I think that that's also a critical aspect of this. Right, exactly. And, and down the stretch here, I mean, you're, you're seeing you're not really seeing it quite yet with uh, with tonight's game against Nashville. But like you said, it just creates opportunities for other players and, and gives you a more of a long-term perspective on this roster and what they potentially have. Now, the big trade, to me, this is the biggest trade of the deadline. I mean, I, th- I think it involves the most moving pieces, so it's literally yeah. the biggest trade. But also, I think that Hampus Lindholm was the one was the one player, the one pending UFA that had the, the biggest chance of coming back, even mm-hmm. though in the end, I don't really think he had much of a chance. He's the only one where you actually got some kind of info about, okay, here's what a contract would look like. Here's what the Ducks are offering. Here's what Lindholm would want. I think there was a little bit of a song and dance between these two sides and maybe Verbeek was putting that out there just to put the fear in the other teams that the Ducks could potentially re-sign this guy and increase and you know as a consequence maybe that increased his price tag who knows but this is this is going to be a, a mouthful of a deal so I'll just get through it really quickly Hampus Lindholm and Cody Curran out from Anaheim so <sighs> Farewell. Really, uh, big really, boom and shot. really sold the lead that we're losing the big boom and shot. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sorry, Cody Curran. Uh, and in return, John Moore, Yurho Vakaninen, a 2022 first, a 2023 second, and a 2024 second. So three draft picks, one first, two seconds, a 23-year-old defenseman in Vakaninen, and basically salary filler, uh, John Moore. I mean, basically a deal that 
the Bruins get to get out of for next year because he did carry. I mean, we don't quite know yet if John Moore is going to be a member of the Ducks much longer with the pending Dodonov trade, but he ha- he did have the remaining year at two point seven five. So, a lot of moving pieces there, Jake. How do you how do you parse it out? Yeah, it, it's kind of tough to parse out. I think uh, I, I think an easy way to maybe think about it is um, kind of trying to break it up that. Uh, it was definitely Vakanainen, a first round pick and a second round pick for Lindholm at 50% retained. I think that yeah, much is clear. Forgot to mention that. Yeah, 50% retained. And then I think in addition to that, probably what ended up happening was the Ducks were probably going to get another fourth round pick, something along those lines, fourth round, fifth round pick. And by taking on John Moore's contract and essentially taking more salary off the books, not only for this year, but for next year from the Bruins, that additional pick went from a fourth or a fifth or whatever it was going to be to a second, another second. And so this was a great job by Pat Verbeek of not only leveraging his asset and getting a lot for his best asset, but also leveraging something that is also an asset in cap space. And it's not as if you can just have your cap space this season and it rolls over next season. Um, it goes away after each year. So why not leverage it to get as much as you possibly can in return? And so that's what he did here. And he was able to get two seconds and a first back and who, I mean, back I think it was, uh, 2017. He was an 18th overall pick. And while, um, while maybe the, he may not pan out completely as being live or living up to that, uh, pick situation. He is someone that looks like he probably will be an NHLer. And they were able to get a 23-year-old NHLer, bottom-pairing defenseman, more so a stable-type guy who maybe could become a, a fourth defenseman at best. Would you agree with that? Uh, it seems to be at very best. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, But they're able to get that along with all of those picks. I think that this is a, a really, really good trade for the Ducks. And I think one thing a lot of people are missing here, and this is one thing that's really important in all of this, some people might wonder, well, how did you get not not get an uh, A-level prospect? Because that's something we were kind of talking about, get a first and right. an A-level prospect. Why did they not get that? No Fabian LaSalle. No Fabian LaSalle, no Nick Robertson, no no Topping Nimala, no, no guys of that stature that we've kind of talked about. And I think what ended up happening was it seemed like teams weren't probably going to be able to give that out. And what Paverbeek did was pivot to get as many picks as possible because – one thing to keep in mind with draft picks is you're not just getting them to essentially take the player by getting that draft pick. You're not just locked into taking the player with that pick. You're acquiring assets that then you can flip. And I've made this, uh, this, uh, analogy a little bit or kind of not really analogy, but using the Kings in as, as an example of they've done a good job and we've given them, uh, Rob Blake credit in the last couple of years of flipping Martinez, flipping Muzzin, flipping, Jeff Carter, doing all these trades to acquire as many draft picks as possible. And sure, they've made some of those picks, but it also gives them the ability to make trades when they need because they have such a surplus of additional picks that you can go ahead and you can give up some extra picks because you have them. And they were able to go out and get a Victor Arvidsson, for instance, this summer. They were able to then also, because of the cast base, sign a Philip Deneau. And so these are all things that you can do by trading away guys that aren't going to eat into your cap space with, for instance, not giving Lindholm that eight-year extension. You're able to then find guys that more fit exactly what you want. And so that's a really key part of all of this is that you're able to get these assets that you can then use either to make the pick or use in future trades. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that's that's an overarching theme of all of these moves is that now the Ducks just have more pieces to play with. They have more tools to use at their disposal to improve their team. Now, Pat Verbeek, if he wants to maybe go for it this summer in terms of really trying to make the playoffs next year, 
he has more ways of doing that without really biting in to the Ducks' future assets and in terms of their own picks or their own prospects. He just has more he he has more fuel. And so the other piece to this puzzle though in this trade is the fact that Lindholm immediately signed an 8-year mm-hmm. deal with the Bruins, 6.5 million in AAV and I guess just what are your thoughts on what that that contract, how it factors into this trade because doesn't it seem a little bit as if Lindholm maybe this was a desired destination for him and maybe Verbeek had some inkling that Lindholm would sign there and maybe that helped make this deal happen or up the return. I'm just wondering because it seems really convenient that it happened right away. Um, oh boy. On such short notice. Uh, I have got some info for you because I think, don't think you've seen this then. Andy okay. Strickland, who is very t- uh, in tune with the St. Louis Blues market and everything that goes on there, um, put out this tweet saying, despite reports, I don't get the sense that St. Louis Blues ever had serious interest in Ben Sherratt. There was legitimate interest in Hampus Lindholm, but ultimately the player played a major role in where he ended up before quickly agreeing to an eight-year contract. Right. So does this feel a little bit... I mean, that that makes sense to me, by the way. Yeah. Good info. No, that, that um, ties exactly into what you were saying. <laughs> yeah, because it feels just oddly... It's coincidental that this would happen. And my read on that is that it probably is a bit of a long-term chess move by Pat Verbeek because you got to keep the agents happy. You want to get yeah. them... You want to put their clients call. in positions where they can... Uh, get what they want. And I'm not saying that the Ducks did this move purely for that reason. Clearly, there were much bigger reasons at play, but I think that that, it all factors into it. And I think that Lindholm probably, like you said, or I I should say how the report stated, that probably had a big hand to play in all of this. Um, Yep. And and kind of looking at the contract, I mean, I for a while have said that I think the starting point for any Lindholm extension um, would be the Cam Fowler deal. Do you and, think? Do you think we overestimated a little bit though what Lindholm could get? Um, it's possible. Because, I mean, because maybe we, we long held that he was going to get the eight by seven plus, eight plus potentially, and he just he didn't come close to that. But what's interesting is that a lot of the contract projection models out there, including Evolving Hockey's, had him almost exactly at this number. So maybe yeah. we were overestimating and, what and he that, would get, and that's completely possible. And the thing is, I'm looking at. Uh, like I think Morgan Riley getting seven and a half maybe also upset the market, but uh, yeah, it, it's tough to say because um, at eight years, it's almost as if he was willing to take a little less money to for the eight years, for the eight years and to be in a place where he feels confident that he's going to well, win for a preferred destination. You saw, I mean, you you read the comments surely that he made yeah. in his introductory press conference. I mean, he talked about the fact that the Bruins really showed that they wanted him. And I feel like the only difference between these two offers was the term between the Ducks and... I mean, the Ducks weren't offering as much money uh, in four to five years, but I think that Lindholm really saw that term as kind of a reflection of his value or or of his worth to those organizations. And so, I mean, good for Hampus Lindholm. Yeah, 100%. Like you said, he he goes to a team where he's going to have a chance to win. He gets the deal that he wants, and the Ducks get what they want. They get a they get a boatload of futures, which yeah. they can do whatever the heck they want with. Yeah, and, and this is a win-win because at the end of the day, when are the Ducks probably going to be contending? They're going to be contending for Stanley Cup probably starting in year two or three years from now, would be yeah. my guess. I think they're probably on a path with all these deals as a result of getting all of these picks and being able to now flip them. They're on the path of probably being able to contend in two years. Um, 
that might be, or that would probably be the earliest part. Two of to three. Cont- two to yeah. three. Yeah. Two to three. And Lindholm at that point in time is going to be 30 years old. He's going to just be starting as a client. So they're maybe going to get one good year of him when they're starting their contending window and really kind of get starting to get, uh, get their teeth into it and really start going for it. And then he's going to start kind of going on the decline and be overpaid at that point in time. And that's not necessarily what you want from your salary cap structure. Whereas the Bruins, a a lot of times with these eight-year deals, you can somehow manage the later years. It's not fun. You can just figure it out. You You figure it out. But you do this to get the guy for the now because you're in your contending window now. And the Bruins are in that. And Patrice Bergeron is aging like fine wine. And you (laughs) want to give him as many chances as you can get to win a cup. Yeah. And also, I mean, one thing to note is one of the comments that I think we had discussed last week that Verbeek had made regarding the Manson trade is that the idea is to align this team with the window of its younger core. And that's something that we've talked a lot about on this show. And I think that if you look at the offers that were reported that the Ducks may have made to Lindholm, they kind of fit that window because it's, I mean, let's, let's just go with the four years. If you're saying if you're saying that the Ducks aren't going to be contending for another, you know, th- two to three years, well, then Lind- that's pretty much when that co- that's kind of the span of that contract. So it all kind of adds up at the end of the day why this didn't work out from a Ducks and Lindholm perspective and why it did work out from a Bruins and Lindholm perspective. Yep, I- exactly. And so I think both teams got what they want. I think Lindholm, I mean, a lot of people may be sad to see him go, and I completely get that, and that's a natural part of all of this is you've had this guy who's been a duck for nine years. Yeah. But at the end of the day, this is a win-win. Yeah, and this is a win-win, and both teams get what they want. The Ducks are able to align guys or get things that align closer to where they're going to be. Lindholm gets paid. Lindholm gets to go and try to win a cup this year. What do you think of Lindholm uh, wearing 27 in Boston? Was 47 taken? Uh, I don't know. I feel like I should have looked this up. You probably should have, especially if you're gonna uh, gonna put bring it, on it up, like that. Uh, yeah, on the pod. Yeah. Well, who is do you it, think it, you are? Me, me throwing out questions without. Is it? A, is it an ode? Is it an ode to Scott Niedermeyer? Is is the question? Well, I wonder if the fact 47 was the number given to him in Anaheim. Was it okay? Well, yeah. Because I was I was looking at old pictures of him, and I never I didn't find any of 27 with like in his earlier career. No, so uh, I'm a, yeah, I'm a little confused. I mean, I, I think 47 is open because 47 was Krug, is what uh, Odog 81 is saying. So, well, yeah, but I, I think just I think just 47 was never his number, and, and yeah. it was the number him and Raquel both. They were both guys that those weren't their numbers, and they were given to them, and then they ended up sticking with them. And I think Raquel is actually sticking with 67. Sticking now with 67. Yeah, yeah. I think he, that's just now his number. Yeah, I thought it was a bit intriguing, but that's definitely lower on the priority list here. Yeah, of, of exactly. Topics. Well, you brought up Raquel, so we should probably talk about him, unless you had anything else in the Lindholm trade. Uh, no, I don't think I have anything else on that. I was kind of saying it like that to see if anything would pop up in my head, but no, I'm good. I mean, on, on Vakaninen, I don't really have any big takeaways because he's a 23-year-old defenseman who hasn't fully cracked the NHL at this point, and... Those are usually the guys who you see in these trades. And so maybe he'll prove me wrong. There's been some good feedback on him, but I'm yeah. not. I'm I'm just kind of I'm viewing this deal as basically the picks and Lindholm. That's I think if I think it. if Vakaninen becomes anything, then it's anything. This, this goes from being a really good trade to being an amazing trade. Yeah, but it's I think it's a fine deal. It's it's market value. It, it didn't blow people away. It doesn't necessarily necessarily well, blow me away either but it's that means it's a good trade 
But that's the thing. It's it's Verbeek finding a way to get market value and not lose on any front. I think that he absolutely milked this for what it was worth, but with the retention, with taking on salary, I think that that's exactly what you do in the position you're in. You're, you're not overlooking any of the levers that you have available to you, which is something that we often criticized Bob Murray for. Yep. Um, also, the challenge with talking about this deadline is like not bring up Murray at every turn because that bar is just so low now that it's almost like, all right, we got to, we got to look past that at some point. I yep. think maybe this is the last time we get to do it. Um, yep. Okay. But let's talk about the Raquel trade because this was, this was a weird one <laughs> because first off, we didn't get the final details of this until what? Two hours, two and a half hours after it, the trade deadline had it, already passed. It took a, lo- a long, long time because the Raquel deal in the first place came after the deadline. Yeah, it came it was, after the 12 p.m. deadline, which, granted, there were reports that the there was a huge backup at Central Registry. but yeah. And then it started slowly filtering out of, I think the first report was uh, a second-round pick and a prospect. Yeah, it was a pick and a prospect. Then it was a pick and a player, or a pick, a prospect, and a player. And then it was a pick, a prospect, a player, and another player. Yeah. And finally, and, we and got our it, answer. And then it was a pick, a prospect, and Zach Aston Reese. Yeah. Then that tweet was deleted. And then Bobby Margarita. I'm not even going to call him Bob McKenzie anymore. Just Bobby Margarita. <laughs> Bobby Margs. Deleted his tweet. So here's the trade, though, for those who didn't see it. So Ricard Raquel, the Ducks retain 35% of his salary. They get Dominic Simone, Zach Aston-Reese, Callie Klang, and a 2022 second-round pick. So Simone and Aston-Reese are both pending UFAs. And Callie Klang is a former third-round pick, a 19-year-old goaltender who's already had a run of success in Sweden, and then you get the second round pick in this year's draft. So what it really shakes out to is the Ducks retain 35%, and with the salaries they get back in Simone and Aston Reese, it's basically a, a net neutral. Where it's, a straight, it's a straight wash. Exactly, and so that's that's perfect for Pittsburgh because yeah. they're a team that's that's mindful of the cap, whereas the Ducks can do stuff like this, right? Like, and, again, th- th- this is what we talked about with Verbeek and Lindholm is you're using all the different tools you have available to you to try to maximize value. Yep, and with this trade and with the retention here, the Ducks have used up now all three of their salary retention spots. So if there were would have been another trade that would have had salary retention at all, the Ducks couldn't have done that. Right. Um, you're only allowed three. And the good news for the Ducks is all these, all three of these guys are uh, UFAs, so it works yeah. out well in that sense also. Yeah. Um, so want to just jump into the trade. What are your thoughts overall? Yeah, so I think it's an interesting trade. This is probably the one that I'm the most... I guess lukewarm on, I, I think that it's a good on its face. It's a good return because I think Callie Klang is an interesting goaltending prospect. If you look at Byron Bader's model, he's trending towards becoming an NHL goaltender. Um, he's been trending up since his draft year. He's gone mm-hmm. from, I think about 20% NHL or probability to now up to 50. So he's trending in the right direction and there's good feedback on him. The second round pick is nice. I really think though that Simone and Aston Reese to me, appear to be salary filler just to make this work. Yeah, but if, it's but, weird, but, right? But if you dig into their numbers, they also seem like guys who could help this team. And so I kind of view it as Raquel for Clang and a second-round pick, and then the retained salary for Simone and Aston Reed. Like I just don't really think that those two players factor in that heavily. But in a way, I also think that this is an opportunity – for Verbeek to see if these guys could make sense to bring back next season. I So here's kind of where I'm at with this deal. Now, uh, anything else you want to add before I jump in? No, go for it. All right. Um, 
on the return, uh, the beat, the the drum I've been eating up, been beating a bunch on Ricardo Cal is Tyler Toffoli in the 2020 trade, mm-hmm. uh, where he went from uh, what would that have been from LA to Vancouver, and I'll look up the specifics in a sec. But that deal, from what I recall, was a second round pick and John Moore, or not John Moore, uh, uh, John, uh, uh, Tyler Madden. Yeah. Tyler Madden was a third round pick. Uh, guess what pick uh, Kelly Klang was? Third. Yep. So both players got second round picks and also equivalent third round picks from two drafts prior. Yeah. So, so it's, so it's it, fair market value again. It, it's pretty much exactly fair market value. And then on top of that, you also have these two guys that are thrown in. Probably you're, I mean, you're probably spot on. They're probably just, and will probably just end up being throw-ins uh, for salary. But it's hard not to look at this, and I'm throwing it now up on the screen. There are RAPM charts, and kind of maybe think that Pat Verbeek kind of targeted these guys as being potential options um, for bottom uh, bottom six roles moving forward. Because yeah. as we know with Pat Verbeek, uh, he is someone that is supposedly uh, analytics friendly, looks at the numbers. Someone probably came to him about Dominic Simone and said, "This is a guy that's being undervalued in in Pittsburgh. This is a guy that uh, his goals for per, might, goals for might per that six, someone have been Jeff Solomon. It's possible goals <laughs> four per sixty is below uh, break even and doesn't line up with necessarily all of the under other stats. You may be able to pry him out of a, a situation that where he's under Brian Burke, who does not look at these numbers at all. And so uh, you know what's this, funny." Is that Burke? Sorry to cut you off, but before this trade, did you hear Burke's comment about how like the biggest mistakes are made at the trade deadline, and Pittsburgh isn't moving because they're happy with their team, and then this happens? I don't know if you saw this, but no, I didn't. Burke's full of shit. That's oh yeah, completely, one hundred percent. In a in a um, great way. In a great way. Yeah. So regardless, I, I think what ended up happening was the the Ducks ended up getting uh getting two guys that I mean honestly they improved the Ducks bottom six significantly. Yeah, but it doesn't matter for this season, though. No, no, it doesn't. But I think it's going to be fascinating to watch them because we're going to be able to see what actual good bottom six players are able to do as in comparison to what the Ducks have had. So my hunch is that these guys are it's like a it's a split pie. There's two sides to this coin, two edges to the sword. Uh, I think that Simone and two sides to a coin. Yes, yes. <laughs> there's there's two schools of thought here. Which one is that Simone and Aston Reese are salary filler, which I think does I mean it has to play a part because the money lines up almost it works like out on, perfectly on the dollar. But I also think that you know Pat Verbeek has talked about the depth of this team and I think that he sees he's seen the what the the bottom six has been this year for the Ducks and it's been a weakness. And so Simone and Aston Reese may not return but these are guys who he gets to watch, who he gets to to follow closely, and maybe he decides that he wants to bring back next season. I don't think either of them figure to break the bank. And on a team with younger players as your core, you still need guys to fill out the, the lineup. You, you can't have all guys on well, ELCs or all guys on their second contracts. And so Simone and Aston Reese, they profile as guys who could at least just help that bottom six. And if they do, if they bring them both back and their results in Pittsburgh maintain, the Ducks are actually vastly improved, which is yeah. kind of crazy to think about. But that's yeah. how low the bar has been. Yeah. And so Zach Aston Reese is 27. So, I mean, if and he is an August birthday, so he'll be 28 in August. And then Dominic Simone is also 27, also an August birthday, so will be 28. So if both of them got two-year deals out of this, 
Um, I think that would be completely fair just to kind of get bottom six guys. And, and what this kind of spoke to me was that um, Pat Verbeek was very adamant, right, that he came from essentially the Ken Holland school of thought of wanting guys to earn their NHL opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. You, you don't kind of just get jumped in or thrown into the NHL. And you and I may disagree with that methodology, but I think there's a lot of that built into this where, sure, they probably could have called up Perot and probably could have called up Tracy for the end of the season, but I think instead he wanted to to get some guys that can come in, be potential bottom six, uh, bottom six players for this team moving forward, and potentially sign them to essentially force those guys to earn the spot in the NHL. And they're good players. Season. Yeah. Like they're, it, they're fine players. Well, like, yeah, th- that's this important. isn't like... This isn't like putting Derek Grant and Nick DeLore as a roadblock. Well, that's the whole thing is that, you know, this has been an issue with Murray as well in the past, except on top of that, it's been with bad players. And I mean, one kind of note that I just want to throw in is that I guess Pittsburgh fans were adamant that Zach Aston Reese is not good or. I mean, they were also adamant that Simone was not good. And that was like starting to populate my replies as uh, I was saying that I thought this was a good trade for the Ducks. And I just want to say that I I think fans are great and fans are the lifeblood of the sport. Oh, but boy. That doesn't, that doesn't mean they're right about everything, right? I mean, let's say if Cam Fowler got traded to Pittsburgh, right? I could reply to someone in Pittsburgh and say, well, there's Ducks fans who think Cam Fowler sucks. So all of a sudden, does that mean we should take that to – to, to be the truth, I, I don't think so. And if and if you look at Aston Reese's numbers, he's clearly a guy who can contribute. No, he's not a world beater. But, again, we're just well, talking about depth players here. Yeah, I mean, to me, Zach Aston Reese, Reese equates out to being almost like a better Sam Carrick. Yeah. Yeah, like I think that, that's fair. That, that's, I think, the equivalent of what he probably is. Whereas Simone, honestly, from just looking at the underlying numbers, is just a guy that's probably been a bit snake-bitten and, and probably just been on the ice for not as many goals for as he should be. And yeah. has actually had a really good impact. And I'm really curious to see him. That's the one I'm probably the most curious to see out of all these moves in terms of getting guys into the lineup Simone. right away. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Same. that that's going to be the most fascinating one to see. Because he has, he has a bit more offense to him. Yeah, which is, exactly. Which is intriguing. But Ex- So I, I think overall it's, it's an interesting return. I mean, I think the other thing we should mention, like that's why there's just so many twists and turns with this trade to me, is the fact that the Ducks went out and got a pretty decent goalie prospect. Oh, yeah. Klang. I mean... I mean, don't we have to have the conversation again? The goalie do you, conversation? Do you want to bring up the elephant in the room that uh, I think it was your boss reported today? It, uh, Did, was this, it Pagnota or was it someone no, else? No, it was reported? someone else. It okay. was someone else. Never but mind. Basic, but basically just the fact that, look, the Ducks now with Clang in, in tow have John Gibson. They have Anthony Stolarz. They have Lucas Dostal. They have Ole Eriksson. Like, this is starting to be a little bit of a crowded situation we know that john gibson's name was weirdly out there today it was not not concrete reports by any means but it was out there just it was basically people said a name that i'm starting to hear more today is john gibson i'm pretty positive it was uh i thought it was brian i thought it was brian lawton i think he said that i think both of them did I'll, i'll take a look let me see well, so regardless, though, you're you're starting to hear little rumblings about Gibson, and I'm not putting a ton of stock into them because uh, I, I don't think that they're reporting that he's about to be moved, just that his name is out there. But it shows that there are conversations going on. Anthony Stolarz is, has one year left on his deal. Dostal is kind of has been seen as the goalie of the future, but now you've got another guy in Klang 
who's probably still a few years away from being NHL ready. I mean, he's only 19, and it's pretty freaking rare for guys to make that jump at such a young age. He's, he's still got some uh, a ton of runway. But it does, to me, it kind of puts a clock on, it puts a timer on the Ducks' current goalie situation just a little bit. Just a little so, bit. Maybe, maybe it's an overreaction. So here, this was put out by Dave Pagnota. Um, at 5.47 a.m. Pacific time. An interesting that's, name that, floating That's up, why I missed it. Yeah. Float, <laughs> floating around. I think I was up at 6, so I saw it retweeted. Uh, an interesting name floating around lately, John Gibson. Would certainly be a significant deal if it happens, but it sounds like the Ducks will listen. He has a 10-team no-trade list. Oh, dear. The Ducks will listen. That, uh, I mean... That's saying something. It's also saying, you know, like, what are the... No, it's I, saying something and nothing all at the same time. Well, right? I mean, it, sh- it shows that the Ducks, it's not a hang up and listen situation, yeah. which I guess yep. is is a bit of an upgrade from, from maybe where we were just about a couple of years ago. Yeah, so it's not a situation of them necessarily shopping him. It's a situation of they're getting people reaching out and they're listening on it. So we'll see. Yeah, and keep in mind that all reports that are put out there are they're always tip of the iceberg. So we don't know everything. And that's just kind of the most reportable information. It's the one that you can say with a hundred percent certainty, but there's a lot of stuff that colors it beneath the surface that we don't know about. And so for it, for it to get to that point where it pops above the surface, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire sometimes. And so we'll see. Um, uh, also I should mention that in 2021, the 2021 season, uh, the uh, Cali Klang won the award for best junior in the Allsvenskan. So yeah, I he, guess... he's also rocking a 9.15 save percentage in the yeah. Swed- Swedish Elite League right now, or is it Swedish? Yeah, the SHL, Swedish SHL, Hockey League. SHL. Yeah. Which I, I looked up today, and that's like fifth all time for a D plus two player in uh in the yeah. SHL. Yeah, for, like he's for... he he appears to be a good goalie, and you know he's not he's not huge by modern standards. He's six two, so. I, I mean, I'm not going to pretend I've watched him a ton, but yeah. it seems to be that positioning and well, technique are a strength of his, which uh, are not a strength. I of mean, other goalies, yeah, in the duck system, other and goalie, I, and a long-term tandem of Dostal and uh, and Klang could work really well, and they're well, very and unique now, and very different. Well, and now maybe Dostal becomes more flippable, or Solar yeah. becomes flippable, or Gibson. Like that, the whole thing is that now you just have more options. That was the whole point of this deadline. And although getting a goalie isn't what I would have done, it kind of makes perfect sense when you think about it. Yeah. So. Uh, Forever in 1922 is saying uh, his and Dostal's stats are pretty comparable in Europe, right? It, it's hard to compare because Dostal played in the uh, Finnish Elite League. That's the one with the elite in it. Whereas uh, whereas Klang is playing in the Swedish Hockey League. So it's a little different, a little different competition, things like that. So I don't think it's it's the Elite League either. It's, is uh, it? Le- what it's, a- just le- it's just Liga. Oh, yeah, it's just Liga. What do I keep thinking has Elite League in it? Well, it used to be. So the, Was it the Swedish the, Elite the, League? The, the SHL used point? to be the, the Elite Serine. And now it's just the oh, SHL. Oh, that's probably why. Yeah, Liga, Liga, not. Nah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm getting corrected in, in the chat. You're getting, Damn. you're getting slammed. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm getting ratioed right now. You're getting ratio plus L plus you fell off. So <laughs> yeah. Anyway, wow, wow. I <laughs> uh, also want to give a quick shout out before we go to our break. Uh, we are at uh, we were at 120 uh, live viewers. So thank you so much to everyone yeah. that was tun- tuning in. Thanks All right, everyone. so let's uh jump in for a word quick from break. our sponsor. All right, so this episode is brought to you by Manscaped. The champions of below-the-waist grooming, Manscaped, 
uh, and our proud, uh, our proud sponsors today have done it again with the launch of the brand new ultra premium collection from trimming your hockey pucks to your ev- everyday grooming and hygiene routine. Manscaped is here after lighting the lamp, hitting the showers with this all in one skin and hair care kit that covers you from head to toe. Literally manscaped is trusted is trusted below the waist. Now trust them with the rest. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code CTP. So, Felix, we all know that the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer has the precision of McDavid to trim below the waist. Their advanced skin safe technology reduces cuts to your most delicate areas. But, I mean, why don't you tell them about this ultra premium collection? Yeah, but now. You can enhance your perfect grooming routine and confidence with their ultra premium collection. So this package includes the Manscaped premium deodorant. No, not for your balls, but for your stinky armpits after hitting the ice. This deodorant dries clear, is aluminum free, and cologne infused with their signature scent. Also, the hydrating body moisturizer. Long day at the rink. This will keep skin feeling clean, smooth, and smelling fresh. Body wash to lather you up with their infused aloe vera. Who doesn't love aloe vera? and sea salt shower gel, two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. I've actually used this, feels great with with the hair that I have left, to clean your lettuce with an easy one step. Plus a free gift, a three-pack set of lip balm, which I've also used, not a lip balm guy. What's so freaking ever? But I've tried it because I'm I'm an open-minded guy. Uh, And so a (laughs) three-pack set of lip balm to keep your trash talk firing on all cylinders. So yeah, definitely check out the Ultra Premium Collection pack. Yep, and that's four products plus plus a gift inside the Ultra Premium Collection. What a score, Felix. Made with the best ingredients with zero compromise to ensure you don't take a grooming penalty. I took a penalty in last night's game, actually. Yeah, uh, yeah you did. I'd recommend using the products in this order. Hop in the shower and scrub-a-dub-dub that body with the Manscaped body wash. <laughs> Lather your hair up with a two-in-one shampoo conditioner to keep your noggin toggin. Dry off and spray on the hydrating body moisturizer to reinvigorate dry skin. Put on Manscaped deodorant for obvious reasons. Body odor is a major penalty. Pop that Manscaped lip balm on. Chirping has never felt better. The boys will be buzzing after cleaning up with the superstar lineup from Manscaped. So you all can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code CTP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code CTP at manscaped.com. Don't be a goon. Upgrade your hygiene routine with the ultra premium collection from Manscaped to fight your bush and odor this season. Huge, huge. Go check out our friends at Manscaped. Okay. Let's uh let's keep the train moving here. So, where were we at? Kali Klang. That's right. Any I guess any last thoughts on the Raquel trade? Uh no. O dog wants us to say regardless. So there you go. O dog. Regardless. Regardless instead of regardless. Oh okay. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. There you go. Didn't, that wasn't that quite, wasn't that wasn't the best understand. transition for it ever. But you know, <laughs> it, it is what it is. I make with the best of it what I can. Um, overall, I think this was proper value. This is exactly what uh, the Ducks uh, probably should have gotten for Ricardo Kels. Maybe some people are mad that there wasn't a first-round pick involved, but at the end of the day, the getting a prospect plus a second is probably the right value, like I laid out there. That's exactly what Tyler Toffoli got. 
that's exactly what Ricardo Raquel got. That's kind of exactly where these types of guys end up landing as they go into become UFAs. And I think it's just kind of the cherry on top of it. All the Ducks were able to, in, in, for their salary fillers, get some guys that actually work out well. That, Could be that players. Are, yeah, exactly. Could be players for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that this trade, again, on its face, I think a lot of fans probably are a little underwhelmed because you get conditioned to the idea of, oh, it's going to be a first. And, um, you know, Samuel Poulin or, or some, you know, one of the higher-end prospects. But at the end of the day, if you study what these guys get at the deadline, which you have, which you've written about, which I've benefited from reading – you kind of that tempers the expectations and i think that this is perfectly in line with that and i think it it's it's interesting it's an intriguing return it makes sense and again this is just verbeek kind of doing everything he can to maximize that return i'm just still fascinated by the fact that they targeted a goaltending prospect yep and to be to be clear because i'm seeing the twitch chat the Toffoli trade was the one from la to vancouver not the montreal deal because the no, montreal deal no. the yeah. montreal deal had term so it's a little bit different yeah. Totally different. Rentals versus guys with term are just yeah, that, different that's categories. Why, that's why I wrote an article back in January. You got to compare guys to other rentals to, to figure out what the value is going to be. And this yeah. exactly match what the value is for a rental scoring winger. So Yeah, so to, so to Foley this year is not comparable and, to and, Raquel this year. And here's one thing I want to bring up, seeing as we're going to move on to kind of other trades and now we're kind of done with the rentals part of this. Yeah. Even it's gonna if get, for, it's going to get weird soon. Yeah. Even it, and we're not even at that part of the show either. <laughs> oh. Um, but, uh, here's the thing. Even if maybe you thought the ducks, uh, maybe if you thought the ducks should get more for these guys, right? Let, let's just say you're in that category that you think maybe this wasn't proper value. Maybe they undersold them mm-hmm. anything along those lines. At the end of the day though, these guys were pending you a face. And yeah. as, Pat Verbeek stated they didn't necessarily fit the timeline. And they so, yeah, they, they just didn't. Yeah. They, they don't fit the timeline. Giving them extensions would not have made sense as a result of that. So even if you think that they undersold on this, which I don't think you or I think, but even if that's your opinion, that's still better than losing them for nothing. Yeah. And I think that's the critical aspect of all of this is that the ducks were able to walk out of this deadline with what is it? An additional first round pick. Yeah, three or four additional second round picks, uh, depending on pending, and maybe pending. May, five, pend, pending. A fifth one, <laughs> a fifth, a fifth one pending because they got yeah. one in Raquel, two from uh, Lindholm, and one from Manson, yeah. and another third round pick, a potential Josh Manson replacement, a potential NHLer at twenty three years old in Vakaninen, and they got a long term goalie prospect. Yeah, yeah, no, I I think that when you kind of put the sum of all this together. This is uh, they got Pat all Verbe- that for they got all that for guys they were not going to sign. Exactly. They got they got that for guys who didn't factor into the long-term plan. They got guys they got it for guys who probably wouldn't have been worth extending them because of the way that these guys are aging, production has gone down, and I mean they got a third-round pick for Nick Delorier. So, when you just put this all together, I guess one question I would have for you is what is your kind of what's the element of any of these trades, Delorier and we'll throw in Manson? Lindholm and Raquel, what's the element of it that you're most either excited for, intrigued about, just anything? What what sticks out to you the most out of all these trades? Um, I think I'm most excited for Drew Hel- uh, Drew Hellison. I, I yeah. think that he's someone that I'm very interested to see because 
Trevor Zegers is very high on him. And now, granted, <laughs> that doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot because players are going to like their... Uh, their teammates. Yeah, they're, they're going to like their teammates. They're going to like their guys that they've come up with. But he's a guy that really, I think, is intriguing to me. He's a guy that statistically profiles kind of like Josh Manson, but with more upside, more offensive upside. So what does that mean? Where does that go? And yeah. I think maybe it ends up not being anything. But I think that he's someone I'm very interested to see where he ends up at. Yeah, and also I would say that with with Hellison, um, you know, the other kind of subplot there is that he's supposedly great childhood friends with Jackson Lacombe. Yeah, and who the Ducks need to sign or probably want to sign. Yeah, and so that that probably sweetens well, the pot a little bit there. I mean, and it was also reported today that Drew Hellison uh, was signed to an a, uh, ATO, so yeah. he's going to be jumping into the goals lineups shortly. And I would assume also we're probably going to see Henry Thrun and like and Jackson Lacombe also make yeah. that jump probably soon like there's the goals are going to be a very interesting and intriguing team to watch and oh also of note this is important uh with deadline one of the things that i always like to track is the paper, paper transa- transactions paper yeah. transactions i only saw but, buddy robinson and uh simone or simon old, benoit old, Sam, old habit there trying to say yeah. simone simon yeah. ben simon benoit was also put as a paper transaction so those two guys were already uh on the goals lineup they are going to be eligible i don't think the goals are in the running to make the playoffs i took a look at the i think that's why this. there were there wasn't this like deluge yeah of, exactly of, of paper transactions yeah yeah, yeah. also but, the ducks just don't really have that many guys anymore who you can really think about sending down for the ahl playoffs I mean, who, yeah. who who from the lineup? I mean, maybe Drysdale, but Drysdale's played a ton this year. Do you really yeah. want to? You want to get? You want to give him a break? Yeah, and I mean, he's could probably use it too. Um, I guess for me, the most intriguing part. I mean, I think Hellison is probably the most enticing part of all this because he's kind of the most okay. You can see it. You can visualize what he's going to be, and he doesn't appear to be that far off from being an NHL roster player. I mean, it could happen as soon as next year. Um, that might not be the most likely scenario, but it's possible. I mean, I guess just to be a little different, I mean, it's kind of obvious, but Cali Klang, just the fact that the Ducks targeted a goalie, the fact that they already kind of have a little bit of a crowded crease organizationally, I'm intrigued to see where that goes. And then just the fact that they got a crap ton of picks. I mean, four second-round picks before we ever find out if Evgeny Dodonov has left the hotel in Vegas or not. So let's talk about that one. I feel like we should... I mean, this is all like th- this kind of sucks because it, it might. By the time you're listening to this, it might be completely moot uh, due to the fact that Vegas and Ottawa are just kind of incompetent. But the Ducks made a trade that was declared official late in the afternoon to obtain Evgeny Dodonov and a second-round pick. Basically, they get a second from Vegas by taking on Dodonov's one year at yeah. five million. Yeah. So, so and let's th- first just talk about talk about this deal just. As it is, and then we'll get that's into what this. I'm, yeah, that's Got what it. I'm saying. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So Dodonov to Anaheim and a second round pick, which is a conditional pick. So basically, they receive their second round pick in either 23 or 24, depending on the result of the condition in the Eichel trade. Which I don't have that condition in front of me. I don't know if you want to pull it up. And then the Ducks send. By the way, pour one out for Ryan Kessler's Ducks career. Because Ryan Kessler's contract, which we have oh. much ballyhooed on this show, of saying, yeah, this are, are we are we eating crow on this? I think you're gonna eat crow. This is I think year. I'll I will eat some crow, but not all of it. So Kessler's contract goes to Vegas as well as John Moore. So by the way, for those keeping score at home, John Moore spent a total of uh, a day, not even a day, like an hour in Anaheim, 
and was two, or two sorry, days, two days. Sorry, two days, two days. It was, yeah, it was yeah. Saturday. Uh, the the condition on the pick, by the way, is whether it's it's the top ten protected. So okay. Oh oh wait, no no no. Sorry, this is the twenty twenty three second round pick. So conditions: if Vegas first round pick in the twenty twenty two draft, oh yeah, as a top ten pick, then Vegas will transfer their twenty twenty four second round pick instead. Okay. So basically, if Vegas had a top ten pick, then this year. it. Yeah, top 10 pick this year, then the Ducks would get the 2023 second round pick. But if they aren't, the Ducks get the 2024 second round pick. So likely 2024. And I think that's probably why Cap Friendly has it just written up as 2024. Um, But yeah, so Ryan Kessler is off to Vegas. John Moore, uh, his his long, uh, maybe they'll they'll do a a tribute video for John Moore when he comes to Anaheim next time. I guess the thing I still don't completely understand, Jake, and I've tried to get this information out of you, is if Vegas was trying to dump salary, why did they take salary back? Why did they take Kessler and, and Moore back? Yeah, one thing, sorry, I want to correct this because it was in the okay. Twitch chat about the goals real quick. Seventh mm-hmm. place makes the playoffs in the Pacific oh. Division. So the goals oh. are in a playoff spot right now. Okay, well, so there yeah, we go. Whatever. completely um, minor. Someone put it in there, figured it one It's literally in. minor. Yes. Very, very you. minor. Uh, okay, so back to your question. Why did the Vegas Golden Knights take on salary when um, it seems to be the whole point of this deal is to get rid of salary? Yeah. I guess, I guess the, the flip side is that they do – I mean, Kessler's deal comes off the books after this year, and then Moore's cap hit next year is lower than Dodonov's. Maybe it's as simple as that. Yeah, so it's a, I think it's a situation of – essentially the ducks may be trying to clear a little bit of money off the books if they're gonna take on this deal because here's the thing to think about with uh it's not just ltir and i think that's one thing that that's worth shooting down right now is that you always have to think about it like this when you add a guy in a trade you are also adding his cap hit you don't just get to then say like let's just say you're a team that for kessler let's just say the cat salary caps at 80 million you a guy has an eight million dollar contract you add that player to your thing. You then go from and uh, and so the and they would be at seventy two mil. So you have eight mil in cap space. You add that guy to your uh, your team. You then go up to eighty mil, and then you can put him on LTIR to then go above the salary cap by eight million. So what benefit did you have? You previously had eight million dollars in cap space. You've added him, and now you can just go over the cap by eight mil. There, mm-hmm. there, the the different. There's no difference there. You still have eight million to work with, whether you added that player or you didn't, um, from the perspective of Kessler. And so, um, and also the issue with Kessler is he's not an LTIR yet because the Ducks never had him there. So it's not as if they're yeah. trading a guy that's on LTIR. I'm <laughs> they not actually sure. never did. Yeah, I, because I, you you have to be within the salary. Cap. You you have to be within the the cap to be able to put a guy on LTIR. So. Regardless, kind of getting back to to my point, um, uh, it seems like it was mainly a money situation. The the John Moore thing, I think, was uh, buried salary. The Ducks maybe wanted to clear out money for next year, and especially if they're going to add Dodonov or is it Dodonov or Dadonov? So the way Russian pronunciation works is every what is it every syllable like there's no change depending on the configuration. So. It's Dadonov. Like, there's no change depending on like the sequence. Okay. So it's, I just say Dadonov because that's okay. That that's me trying. 
Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so with the Ducks taking on that deal, which goes into next season, they probably wanted to clear out uh, uh, Moore's deal as a result of that. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think it was just a money thing where the Ducks end up saving. It's like 200 grand in terms of actual money as a oh. result of moving Kessler over. Um, it ends up uh, kind of doing nothing overall. But, yeah, so that's, that's I think, basically the reason why Kessler's included. That's all I can really come up with. That's all I can really think about. So... The Ducks have said, or at least has been reported through the the Ducks media, that they are confident that this deal will go through. Now, the consternation around why it's not going through is because Evgeny Dadonov had a 10-team, was it a 10-team no-trade list? Mm-hmm. And supposedly Anaheim was on that list. Now, the deal, the deal was approved. The deal went through. Um, but now, apparently he claims that because Anaheim was on this list, and that the Vegas didn't uphold that, that the, the deal should not go through. And now there's this whole consternation of, well, why did Vegas even attempt this trade? Shouldn't they have known that Anaheim was on this list? And it's a mess because Ottawa was the one who sent him over to Vegas. The team that trades him is supposed to transfer the list over. And so there's this whole kind of he, he said, she said about the situation. And to me, it, it like there there's going to be a lot of there, there's going to be a lot of spilled ink about this, but what it comes down to is that this seems it should be common knowledge for the team that has a player on its books, what that he has a no trade list and that what the teams are on it. I don't, you know, there's supposedly a provision that he can provide the the ten team list once the trade happens. Regardless, Vegas should have known. Vegas, like like th- this is on cap friendly. This is on Puckpedia. You and I, like anyone, could have looked it up. So. Vegas is a pretty bad track record with its players. And now this is me kind of completely speculating, but it just feels like either a, they completely screwed up or B they're just trying to sour him so much that they just get him to leave regardless. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, it's very puzzling. So, um, let me just at least read out kind of Frank Cervelli's tweets that have happened on it. So here's the, here's tweets with the Dodonov. Basically, uh, from what he can glean and understand, Dodonov seems to have properly filled out his 10-team no-trade list with the Sens before July 1st uh, due date. The Sens traded Dodonov to Vegas. Um, uh, was the list, which was still valid, uh, passed along to Vegas on the trade call? He kind of asked as a question. Uh, and then he told Vegas claims that they never received that trade list from the Sens. Either way, the Ducks are on his original 10-team no-list, no which should have blocked the deal um and so it basically just feels like a whole mess up where the we never uh, got the email it, it went to my spam folder jake yeah that's why so, that's why, and, that's why well, i sent you to a team on your no trade list here, here's <laughs> the thing that i don't necessarily get and something that ends up uh that i'm confused on with this is supposedly from what i've seen vegas was also on his no trade list so that would have required him waving well that also hurts his argument yeah, right. like unless that's not the case, and I'm just seeing bad information, which is possible. So don't take that as gospel, please. Um, but also, if that, also the trade might just have gone through by the time we drop this, or yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, kind of getting back to the overarching kind of method of this trade, the Ducks also save. So by moving Kessler, they save about 540 grand in actual mm-hmm. hard money. Um, that's with the uh, amount paid by insurance and things like that. Um, but I mean, the ultimate, ultimately, just for everyone out there that may not realize this, this is a cap dump for Vegas. 
This yes. is Vegas needing to get out of a contract to be able to have guys come back and be and get them into the lineup. Mark Stone is coming back, and, and they need to have guys uh, moved out in order to make this happen. So as a result of that, the Ducks are taking Dodonov for both this year and next year yep. and are getting a second-round pick as a result of it. So the Ducks aren't giving up anything of note. Um, they aren't, uh, they're giving up, like I said, Ryan Kessler's contract I mean, in, and John in, Moore. In fact, it's kind of like the opposite. They're giving up afterthoughts basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so they're taking on a second round pick for a set. They're getting a second round pick for taking on this contract. Yeah. And which the funny, is a great move. Yeah. And, and the funny thing here is, is that the, essentially the ducks also get a player that is an improvement on their bottom six. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, top six even. Yeah, if you if you want to if you want to go further, I think that Dodonov has the potential to play anywhere in the Ducks lineup, but he could also play in their top six. He's a decent play driver. He's got playmaking ability. I mean, he's a guy who improves their team in the short term. And I think the other kind of element to this is that he's going to be a guy they can flip if they hold on to him up until next year's deadline. Again, assuming that this all goes through, but he just becomes another piece that they could potentially. I mean, imagine if the Ducks end up getting like a second or a third for Dodonov at next year's deadline. Yeah, he has a good because he has a good year playing in their top six. Yeah, he's a good year playing in the top six. You retain you salary. You got two picks for for taking on the contract, basically. Yeah. Like ultimately. Yeah, and, and, and so it's just another kind of savvy, Verbeek move that we never really saw Murray execute. Just these yeah. kind of creative deals. And just to clarify something, because someone's asking, I could have sworn I saw a tweet that Dodonov waived his no trade trade clause. So that was something David Pagnota, I think, said on SiriusXM that I was listening to, and I ended up tweeting that out. And that was more of an assumption uh, of his, essentially, what is what it is that, hey, if this deal is going through, the Ducks are for sure on his no trade list, which means he waived it. But mm-hmm. as it turns out... <laughs> That yeah. uh, that doesn't necessarily seem to be the case. And S.J. Hawking's saying that I thought once you waive the no trade, you waive it going forward. No, that's actually something with the the new memorandum of understanding when they renegotiated the CBA and uh, agreed to keep this with some alterations. Uh, that is no longer there. So once you waive it, the new team still has to honor it as a result of that. Um, and so yeah, Elliot Friedman has tweeted out that this is now an NHL NHLPA issue. Um, so I, I think it's we'll find just out. in. Yeah, it's just a holding pattern. We don't really know. I think that, honestly, this is one of my favorite deals of this deadline. Me too. Ducks. It's, actually my, it's actually my favorite because yeah. I, li- I like watching Evgeny Dodonov play and the Ducks get a, a pick out of it. Like It's, yeah, it's just like, a win-win. Like The Ducks get, the, get a good player and get a pick for him. Like That's it. And, like, and by the way, the Russians get a Russian good roster player which they haven't really done with all due respect to Alexander Volkov, but which they haven't. I mean, when's the last time the Ducks traded for a good Russian player? Traded? Don't or just, remember. you know, went out and got added them to the team? Chistov, when they drafted Chistov? Yeah, I mean, it's been like, that's the whole point is it's just been a long time. And yeah. so again, just the paradigm shift continues uh, in Anaheim. So I don't know anything else on this deadline. I mean, now... Now that the dust is completely settled, or at least is settling, have you formed any any additional thoughts? Um, I think at the end of the day, we've now. I mean, the it might be worth bringing up that kind of Pat Verbeek basically said 
um, that he wanted uh, to get guys and get things that really aligned with this team's contending window, that he's trying to build a contender that is going for a cup for a very long time. Oh, Fedorov. There we go. Fedorov's probably the last player that they Well, Brzezgalov, yeah, was a goalie. But so Brzezgalov was a draft also. And also, yeah, kind of. But Chisov was also, but yeah. but And so it seems like Pat Verbeek essentially under, I mean, it's almost as if he's listened to this podcast, right? <laughs> like essentially yeah. everything everything he's done. is Or things we've talked about. Everything he's done is stuff that we talked about. Everything that he said is stuff that we've talked about. Well, so I think that there is a key comment that he made in his press conference tonight, which is that the picks are not necessarily going to be made. Mm-hmm. That now he can use those picks to get guys who kind of fit that who are further along, right? It's just like music, sweet, sweet music being played to us. And so I think it tells me a couple things. What this trade deadline tells me is that Pavrobeek has a plan. This was step one. We don't know step two yet. We have an inkling. We might have an idea. But I wouldn't take this step to mean that he's entering a teardown another year of really being bad for a pick. I think, no, I, I I think that the, 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 the game board is completely open. Now his, his next move could be another rebuilding year, or it could be try and go get a Jacob Chikorin, try to be aggressive in free agency. I think the ducks could go a few different ways. I think that you can make an argument for all those few different ways. We have an entire summer an entire off season to talk about them, but it's an encouraging start. I mean, if you're a ducks fan, I think that this is the most encouraged the most confident that you've probably been or that you should be in, in your franchise in a very long time because there's clearly there's clearly just a coherent strategy at play by someone who looks to be credible and competent. Yeah, it, it, it's really fascinating to see someone who has a plan. I mean, I've made this statement about the Ducks for the last couple of years under Bob Murray was it felt like a rudderless ship. Yep. It felt like he didn't know how to fix the problem. He didn't know what needed to be done. And it led to stagnation within the lineup. It led to him not making moves or any of the moves that he did make were just these ancillary moves that make no difference and, and just swapping guys on the peripheral. Shuffling deck chairs. Yeah, shuffling of deck chairs. And it ends up doing nothing. And it kind of led to the stagnation of the roster and led to where they're at today. And it led to exactly what they had to do. And picture if Bob Murray actually did what needs to be done and he moved all three of these guys well, last they year. Ha- they could have had even more. Yeah, like Which that's crazy. the thing. For anyone that wants to get mad at the returns on these deals, look at Bob Murray. He should have moved these guys last year. You add another year, they would have gotten more. And so, well, it, the, the, I, the tough thing though is that now the Ducks front office is pretty different. You've got no Nonus, you've got yes. no Murray, yes, and you've lost you've added I'm Solomon. Blanking, I'm blanking on his name, the former AGM. Oh, um, McNabb. Uh, yeah, Dave McNabb. Like those are three three big wigs that are gone, and now you've got. I mean, Madden is elevated. Jeff Solomon is elevated and you've got Pat Verbeek. Like this is just a completely different ship. So we can't even know for sure if they would have even gotten more, like if they were, if they would have just bumbled their way through it last year. True. So, but, but yeah, kind of getting back to my point is that this, this management group has a clear plan and they have a clear plan in place and it's pretty obvious they don't necessarily care about being good the rest of the season. That's not their concern. Their concern is the process. I think they're what they are going to be looking to do though is to build this team. There's obviously holes on this roster now. That that's what the happens. Blue line. Yeah, it, it's hard to necessarily make changes and improve that at the deadline. Where you make those changes are in free agency and in your trades and potentially in the draft and with your guys coming up. And so that's what it, where I assume and I mean the Ducks now have so many draft picks 
Maybe they package a couple of the seconds and get an additional first at the deadline. Use those additional firsts to then potentially get more and and get uh, Jacob Trickren going. And and so basically, this is not a long-term tank for those that are thinking it's that way. This is something that I fully trust Trap Pat Trap. Pat Verbeek, Trap Verbeek, <laughs> Pat Verbeek, to have a plan in place to make this team better next year, and I fully expect this team to be almost like yeah. LA next year, where maybe they're they're still young, but they're going to be in the spot where they're going to start pushing for a playoff spot next year. Yeah, it's that, not going to be the start of the contending window, but they're going to be starting to push and try to be competitive and actually win next year. Yeah, that was going to be my question is because now we've spent so much. I mean, we've literally spent years kind of building up to this deadline. It feels like. And now I kind of feel this almost emptiness of like what comes next, but the, what comes next is going to be fascinating. And I think you kind of gave your answer away of what you think happens. And I tend to agree. I think that the, I think they're going to be, I don't want to say aggressive, but I think, like you said, they're going to push, they're going to push for a playoff spot. And people, people are freaking out a little bit over the blue line now. And the fact that, well, no more Lynn Holman Manson, you know, what's it going to look like, but you still got Cam Fowler. Jamie Drysdale is going to get better. I think you have, some guys who can at least fill depth roles. You've got the college free agents coming in. And I think you can just go and get guys in free agency. Like it's not this, it's not this Rubik's cube to just kind of fill out that blue line. And assuming that Donov does actually end up coming to Anaheim. And let's say you bring back Aston Reese and Dominic Simone, that forward group's going to be interesting. Yeah, it, it 100% is. And so, um, yeah. And I don't, I don't want to necessarily say that Man- losing Manson and Lindholm aren't losses because they're both good players. They are. I mean, the, the Ducks are worse right now this season today compared to last week, compared to, I guess, over a little over a week ago um, because they lost those guys. But that's not what this is about. And It's I, not but about I, that. But I don't think their impact is necessarily at the level of where some people might think it is at. Well, look, I mean, Hampus Lindholm's numbers weren't good this season. Yeah. And you could say, which... <laughs> A lot of people will say that it's because he's playing with known, notable 19-year-old Jamie Drysdale. And maybe Almost that's Almost 20-year-old. But you also don't know that for sure. Maybe it's yeah. the start of a, of, a, well, of a slight decline. Fowler Drysdale in a couple games have been good. Yeah. Look great. I mean, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting to get for that sample to build. But if Fowler and Drysdale look great together, some of the Lindholm uh, truthers this season are going to have to take a long look in the mirror because... Yep. That's doesn't look great. That's not a good point in your in favor of your argument there. Yep. I mean, Ken Pafu points out uh, Lindholm had worse numbers without Drysdale this year. Yeah. So so we'll see. Yep. Um, uh, CJK Chell is saying, is he only nineteen though? Well, now they have another nineteen-year-old in Callie Klang. So yeah, I will su- I will support Callie Klang. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's get into some Discord questions. Then we'll get hit up Twitch questions. Maybe we'll have a little bit of time for a shit show portion. Very shortened shit show. Very portion. brief. Yeah. Seeing as it's, it's already eleven. It's eleven p.m. Yeah. We'll just do one quick city and a review, and then we'll get out of here. So okay. um, let's see. Real quick, Anaheim Blue Jackets fan says, "Who's the best Ducks defenseman in the league?" Wait, what? Sorry, who's the best defenseman in the league at the moment? Sorry, I botched that. Ooh, good question. I want to say Kale McCarr. Yeah, I think it's McCarr. Like, he's probably the one, if it was a fantasy draft, not actual fantasy hockey, but just who I would want to build a team around, it's probably Kale McCarr. 
Yep. Uh, Travi Bear said, how do you see the Ducks being better next season? Lo this just goes perfectly. Losing Lindholm or Raquel hurts the Ducks. So who replaces them next year to make them better? Yeah, I mean, I think that, like we were just saying, I think the Ducks have enough to start kind of building out their blue line. Again, you're really banking on some internal improvement. You don't know which guys are going to be able to make a jump next year. And if they do make a jump, how good they will be. But I really just see... I see it going a couple ways. I think that uh, Pat Verbeek will either make try to make the big move for a Jacob Chikrin or just fill it out with free agents, you know, kind of low-cost, short-term deal guys. Yep. Oh, yeah. Christian Jay saying, I seem to remember in an episode earlier this season where Jake was defending Lindholm being better than Fowler. Yeah, I'll take the L on that one. Yeah, I've had to I've had to do some work to get you to this point. You have. You have. I'll take the L. I'll take the L. Uh, here, 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 here I stand victorious. Yet, yet yeah. Again. How do you see the Ducks being better next season? Uh, someone pointed out, even if they don't get Chikrin, Travis Sandheim is a name that's potentially out there that, that could be <laughs> an, an interesting pickup, obviously. Um, th there's going to be guys that end up being undervalued by their team. And if Pat Verbeek, as we're potentially seeing with the trade with Pittsburgh, if he's able to identify these guys that are being undervalued and be able to get them for pennies on the dollar, that could be exactly how the Ducks are good next year. Yep. So uh, I think that that's what, how also just internal development and growth. I mean, that that's something with the way the Ducks have been able to have their prospects uh, kind of be able to pick their prospects, whether it's through making jump, Hellison being on the team. They, they have internal guys to be able to come up, whether Olin Zellweger is too good for the WHL next year. Yeah, I, I've been trying. I've been holding back on saying his name because he's still got so much. It feels like he's still so young, but... I mean, he, he's looking, he's at, looking at, special right now. At, at what point do you say sending him back to the WHL hurts him? Is a waste of time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think we might, we might be there. He might be getting there. He is torching that league uh, and torching it in a way. I know some people will say Sam Steele, things like that. He's doing it in it's a different, different way. He's being a dynamic driver of well, offense. He, he's also doing it in a dominant way. Like, yeah. it's not just like he's a Secondary great junior assists. player. Well, no, but I mean, if you watch him play he's he's manipulating the game it's not just like he's benefiting from playing against junior players like i mean he is but it's not that's it's not just that so anyway yeah uh jj stone drums uh, uh says who does drysdale move in with now that lindholm is in boston well couldn't he just still live at lindholm's place yeah just i mean the house is the house is still there now he has it all to himself yeah yeah what's he gonna do with it who knows yeah um all right and uh i mean he could also just move in with zegris that also works. Tenacious yeah. G85 said, pretty sure you'll all cover my initial questions during the pod. Oh, uh, remind me of this. He has a, a Scotland place for us to look at. So we'll make that ours and we'll get probably okay. lose also. Uh, Will said, how many more 2021 World Junior Team members from U, uh, uh, for Team USA do they add before switching the goal song to It's Tricky? You can answer that. I don't even. Uh, just add Cam York. Just add Cam York and we'll be happy. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, Ferdy Ducks said, now that deadline is done, what are the major offseason deals for the Ducks to target? Any free agents for the Ducks to go after? I mean, do they potentially pull the trigger on an offer sheet now? That's what we talked about on well, our Patreon we were, episode. We were talking about, uh, who were we talking about offer sheeting? I can't even remember off the top of my head. But Why, I feel like... Oh, uh, Kevin Fiala. Yeah, I mean, Kevin Fiala is a guy that I think makes a lot of, a lot of sense for the Ducks. I don't know if they will end up doing it though, but that is someone that I would be targeting because outside of that, I mean, do you make the big offer to a Johnny Gaudreau? I mean, I think you have to think about it, but 
you know, Pat Verbeek talked about that he doesn't want term for aging guys, and I just I don't see him doing that even for a Johnny Gaudreau because that would just be so counter to to what he's been saying. But who knows? Yep. Maybe he maybe he's just uh, not quite telling the truth there. Yep. Uh, Duck Shagonet said, "Are we sure the deadline's done?" Yeah, I mean it's done, but I mean here's the thing to remember. It's not done for Evgeny Dodonov. (laughs) The deadline at the end of the day is just a deadline to make a trade for someone to be playoff eligible. The Ducks aren't going to the playoffs. So the Ducks can trade. They can trade. This Dodonov trade can go down a week from now. I really hope it doesn't. Can we we just move on? Yeah. Uh, Ferdinand said there were rumblings that the Blackhawks might make uh, Debrinkat available at the trade deadline. Mm -hmm. If true, would he be more more important to uh, trade target than Chikrin? So I actually got asked about this the other day, and I think that Debrinkat is kind of a weird one because, first off, I mean, what's it going to take to get him to the Ducks? I would imagine it's going to be a pretty hefty, hefty price. Now the Ducks do have the cap space, or I should say the assets, to maybe swing that in a way that they couldn't before. He's 24. He's got a year left at $6.4 million. He's going to be an RFA what's his next contract going to look like? Do you want to sign that next contract? Because by then, let's see, he's going to be 25 this year. So by the time he signs his next contract, he'll be 26. I'm not so sure I want to do that if I'm the Ducks. I feel like it's kind of a big swing. And I know that at some point you're going to have to take a swing on a guy, yep. but I'd, I'm not so sold on that like I used to be. Yep. Uh, that was, sorry, I'm like reading the questions. That was on Debrinkat, right? Yes. Okay. I didn't yes. know if you pivoted to chicken. I'm trying to load no. everything up and get this going so we can yeah. blitz through all these. Uh, yeah. Olaf it's Berserker said, did this trade deadline win Pat Verbeek the Jim Gregory? Maybe in three years. <laughs> well, I think it definitely helped his his early reputation as a GM, and yep. that's pretty important for that. Ducks Jagernaut asked, how likely is it and is it allowed for Pat Verbeek to reach out to Dodonov directly to discuss his hesitations about coming to Anaheim and try to see if he can get him to waive the clause? I don't know. I actually don't know either, but I think that as long as Vegas allows it, I think Verbeek can reach out to him, but they have to have permission. I think that that would make the most sense. Yeah. I don't think he could just call him. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Will asks, is Terry offersheeted when this deal expires? And if so, who are the possible candidates? Now that is an interesting question. No, no. He's being extended. Yeah. I I was going to say, I I don't think the Ducks are going to screw around with Terry. I think that he's going to be handsomely rewarded. Yep. Uh, And then he also asks, if it were a possibility, would you rather have head coach Bruce Boudreaux or head coach Martin St. Louis behind the Ducks bench? Boudreaux. St. Louis. Wow. No wow. Wow. I mean, oh. I love Bruce Boudreaux, but give me Marty St. Louis. Coldfire said, do the Ducks extend Zach Aston Reese and Dominic Simone? If so, what are the contracts do you think they'll get? I, I think if I had to bet on it today, I think one of them comes back. I, I'd I agree. Like not both. Just because they're going to go to UFA. I, or yeah, maybe they that. don't. <laughs> um, so, I, think, I think one of them does, not both. So for my sake, everyone in the Twitch chat, please throw in your questions now, right after my now tweet, just so I have a starting point and just throw questions on it. So for those of you watching on YouTube, yes, we're on YouTube. Go to youtube.com slash crash the pond. And please like, subscribe, everything on there. Hit that notification bell. You'll get notified. I see all the YouTube comments, everything like that. Um, Or if you're listening on favorite podcast services, we do a Twitch stream each and every time on Mondays at 8 p.m. typically with some post game episodes as this is this is the this has been the exception to the rule. 
Yes. Uh, but if you want to support the show and you have Amazon Prime, you get one free Twitch Prime gaming sub each and every month where you can support this show and it helps out more than you can imagine. And you can be just like that guy, Bobski, who resubbed for 16 months. Hey, Odflow resub for 16 months. Odog81 resub for 13 months. Whiskey Throws sub uh, resub for four months. Lockdown Late Night resubbed for 29 months. And I think there were a couple more but they may have gotten cut off at this point. So my apologies to anyone that we missed. Winterborn, did my 25 subs go through? I don't think they did go through. But uh, let's uh, start jumping into some questions. Uh, Adam Hutchinson, former writer with us at Anaheim Calling, said, how many points did Sam Steele have in junior? Specifically for you, Felix. In junior? Like yeah. as his entire junior career? I don't know. Ask, blame Adam, the Derek Grant lover. I think his draft plus one, he had 131 points. Okay. But wow. Yeah. Impressive. Uh, I mean, everyone late. knows that it's what like is, the only, it's the only steel stat that people know. Kevin, what is Fiala worth at being uh, nearly a point per game? If he continues at this pace through the end of the season. So we talked about this, the, oh dear. the, the <laughs> big, the big thing with an offer sheet for the ducks is you don't want to go over. I think it's 8.25. Yeah. Because once you go above 8.25, um, it ends up being, let me see. Is it two firsts? Uh, yeah, firsts? Two, two first round picks, one second round pick, one third round pick. So that's Whereas, the compensation package for the yeah, team that, at, that would be giving him up. Over 8.221. So if you can keep it under that, then you're good. I mean, and if you go over 10.2, then it's just four, point, four first round picks. I mean, yeah, I'd be hesitant because, I mean, the thing is the offer sheet comes after the draft so it would not be in 2022 it would be in 2023 so the ducks mm. would lose their first their own it's and so luckily they're stocked up on seconds and thirds where they would basically lose their first round pick yeah um, oh and now all of winterborn's thank you winterborn for all of your 25 gifted subs thank you so much you. for that um so yeah so i mean i think if i'm the ducks i would go up to the 8.2 on the dot I don't know if I would do more than that. Now, granted, does Minnesota match? They're going to be in a cap bind, so they may yeah. not. Yeah. So it's it's going to be tough, and it's it, it's tough to even think about for the Ducks because, like we talked about, you're trying to avoid that big swing. But at a certain point, you're going to have to do it, and maybe that will be the one that's worthy. I think Fiala is a good candidate for it. Yep. Yep. The only downside there is you're losing your, your the Ducks are losing their own 2023 first round pick. But, I mean, uh, where is that pick going to be? Yeah, exactly. If, if the Ducks are kind of like a playoff-ish team next year. Yep. Goons so. Never Say Die said, what does Terry's new contract look like? Well, I think so. He's eligible to extend starting this summer. Yeah. Here's the tough – here's the the hard thing with predicting this is we don't know how Pat Verbeek views RFAs. And, well, and I think that's the hard thing, right? Well, we know that, I mean, we know that in this situation, like any other situation, the team holds a ton of leverage. There is the arbitration factor. I mean, I'm really curious what the, I mean, I'm curious what Troy Terry and well, his camp want to do. Because do you just take the contract now? Like, do you, th I mean, does Troy Terry have another, because let's face it, Troy Terry is not going to get paid for his underlying metrics. He's going to get paid for the goals and goals. assists. And I mean, as much, as high as we are on Troy Terry, I don't know if he's going to have another season like this next year. Agreed. He might, he might, but this might be like Troy I Terry you, might want to sign the dotted line this summer. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. And this is kind of why I brought up. We don't necessarily know you're seeing more and more GMs commit cap to younger guys 
because I yeah, think they. I mean, Yasperi Kotkaniemi. They they understand that essentially you want to pay pay guys for their maximum uh, maximum years for their maximum yeah. production years. And so how does Pat Verbeek view that? Because Bob Murray was a guy that was going to take any leverage he could get and stay on that, stay on that, stay on that. Well, what's the term that you give Terry though? I mean, I think because because by the time that what is he twenty four? By the time his new contract would kick in, I think he'd be twenty six. So he turns twenty five this year, turns twenty six the year after. So yeah, by the time that new contract would kick in, uh, he'd be twenty six. Uh, let's see, he turns twenty five in September, so we'll start next season at twenty five. So yeah, I'll be twenty six. I would give him a four or five year deal. Yeah, because you can't give him. I mean, I you're, you're you don't want to give out the eight years, right? And no, so th- I would probably do five times five, five times six, something in that range. If you're Troy Terry, do you take that contract? Yes. I think for him, this is a massive, massive win. Like, yeah. that's kind of how I'm approaching it if I'm Pat Verbeek is like, you know, Troy Terry, like, you've had this, like, you're a great player. We believe in you. We're Like, this is the godfather offer, basically. Like, you may never get get this again. You should take this now. Yeah. Um, and I think that he might because I think that he, I mean, you, you heard his comments the other day about how he wants to be more of a leader on this team. He wants to be part of that leadership group. And I think that he, he's bought into the, to being a part of this rebuild. And so I think, I think maybe it gets done this summer, but who knows? Yep. Uh, let's see. Gengi Horiguchi is barber. That, I don't know. It always gets me. Uh, without <laughs> Nick Delore, who's going to protect Trevor Zegers from being jumped in the Honda Center parking lot? <laughs> uh the security probably yeah the actual security um i don't think it matters but let's go with sam carrick okay christian j17 i'm gonna go with jamie drysdale the silent assassin okay christian j17 said claude Giroux signed a uh, uh, signing as a ufa with the ducks i don't think oh, so i i would doubt that i think he stays in florida yeah probably i mean yeah. florida has a pretty wide open window right now so yeah. A Hutch 13, Adam Hutchinson said, is the A on Derek Grant's jersey magic? Adam, why did I read your question? <laughs> How many goals did he have tonight? He had two. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Coffee Dave said, question, jersey redesign win. ASAP, please. Mm, might be might be soon. Give me, an, give me a white version of the orange and make the orange the home jersey, and I'm happy. Make the orange black. No, keep it as orange. At least give me colors. Go to Eggplant and Jade or orange. Do something different. Eggplant and Jade's not happening. I know. Forever1922 said, question, has Verbeek talked about having a strong goals game? Does he think it's important to Ducks rebuild? He hasn't really talked about that. I don't necessarily know if that matters to him that much. I think for him, it's more so the development of the players is what's going to matter the most. I think he's definitely probably intrigued about the fact that they're going to make the playoffs. And I think that I'm now actually very interested now that I know that seventh place makes the playoffs to see what Hellison and probably Thrun and Lacombe all can do down there. Cause those yep. are three higher profile defensemen. Um, and we'll see where it goes. I mean, who knows when McTavish and Zellweger seasons end? They probably are going to go deep, but whenever their seasons end, they're going to be eligible to go there also. Do, do Thrun and Lacombe both sign the same deal as uh, Hellison, which it's kicks in just next the same. season? Yeah, probably. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Lacombe definitely does. Thrun is my question mark. We'll see. We'll I find think, out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sith Lord with Shemmy said, who would be your top three uh, targets in either free agency or trade to get the Ducks back in the playoffs by 2024? 
Chikrin? Chikrin or Sanheim? To get back in contention in 2024. So we're talking like the the big swing. Two years from now. Yeah. I mean, I think Sanheim is an interesting one because he didn't get traded. Um, I mean, neither did Chikrin. And that's kind of an area of need for the Ducks right now. He's going to be 26, though. Yeah. So next week. I'd probably put those two and then the one we've already talked about, Kevin Fiala. Yep. Uh, let's see. Uh, wrestling question from Sprint Carf. Uh, one said the di- is the Diamond Cutter better than the Stunner? Ooh, I think an RK. If we're considering an RKO a Diamond Cutter, which is in the same category, I would say yes. I think the RKO is better than the Diamond Cutter. I have nothing for you. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, let's see. Do we have any other questions? Um. At- any final thoughts before we just very brief, briefly look at this city from our good patron? Um, this was a big day. I, I, I kind of, I'm trying not to lose sight of the fact cause I'm just tired and I've been staring at a screen all day, but that this was a really big day. This was, I mean, the last few days, like the ducks have made a huge step forward, which they've resisted doing. And I think what's exciting now is that we get to start thinking about what comes next. And I think that, now that the, I don't want to say that the Murray, uh, you know, demons have been exercised completely, but it really feels like we're starting to step into this new era, whatever this is going to be. It feels like we're starting to turn a corner and I'm very excited to see what it's going to look like. That's all. Yep. Agreed. That's my, clo- that's my closing statement. Yep. Um, all right. So let's briefly look at this, this one city and then we'll get out of here. <laughs> okay. This, uh, this came from uh, where was it? Tenacious G eighty five said, uh, "It's I know it's not in Canada, but look up New Abbey, Scotland. New Abbey, Scotland. I like that we're just laying off Canada for a little bit. Oh, we're gonna have we'll do one more because I've been told to do <sighs> Bob's also. Is this New Abbey, Dumfries? Oh, okay, yeah, this is. Oh my. So this is what Eastern." Scotland, southeastern Scotland. I'm, I'm I'm zooming out. I'm zooming out. Yeah. Well, so this is just like a village, basically. All right. A mill. There's do, a mill pond. Can I do street? <laughs> oh, there is street view. There's the old. There's the old house. There's the Abbey Arms. There's the uh, the Abbey Cottage Tea Room. So I guess tea is big over there. Um, I don't see a bar or a pub though. Which there's the new abbey stores yeah where where's the pub that we can where's see the, the beer there has to be there has to be one there's the there's tea room what what there's a fo- th- there's a football club the, the are abbey there any Bell reviews of the tea room <laughs> lovely homemade soup wow okay okay i'm on board i'm on board with that the rose wall let's see the rose wall this is i guess uh like a bed and breakfast type place my <laughs> holiday apartment. This is two years ago from Ann Weston. This is a lengthy ass review. <laughs> about Go for the it. Rose wall. <laughs> well, it's a five star review. We're, we're ending with this. We're ending with this. My hubby and I have just spent seven nights in Rosewall cottage and it was perfect in every way. We found it very clean, warm and welcoming on arrival. There was milk, butter, bread, eggs, delicious biscuits, and a coffee machine with lots of capsules. It was February and a bit cold and wet. The cottage was always warm and had a very efficient shower. 
What does efficient mean? Like, is there a like, dishwasher in the middle? Not a dishwasher, a clothes good, washer good, in the kitchen? Good water pressure and enough hot water in the tank for a bath. The tiled entrance hall was ideal for taking muddy boots off and cleaning our border terrier. The washing machine was a bonus I wasn't expecting. We loved it. Sad. Oh, yeah. Me. There is a wow. washing. Yeah. So there is a there's a washing <laughs> machine randomly in the kitchen. Uh, I I'm sold. I'm sold by Ann Weston here. The 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 milk, the butter, the bread, eggs. These are all things that I that I love. And so I am on board. Um, sign me up. Sign me up for this uh, for Rose Wall. Wa- washing machine in the the kitchen is very common in small apartments. Ro- Rosewall does not have the highest rating though. There is the New Abbey Lodge and Cottage, which is a four point nine, to the Rosewall's four point seven. I don't know if these are actually comparable establishments, but uh, there's ten reviews on the New Abbey Lodge and Cottage. This is from Reva Heath. Kind of an interesting name. Five out of five. This was six months ago, so very recent. What a brilliant find. Lovely, clean, large, and grand accommodation. Perfect for groups, kids, and dogs. The garden and location are fab. (laughs) People still use the word fab. We picked blackberries for crumble and saw the cows at the top of the drive in the neighboring field at sunset. Massive bonus is that the people running it are very nice and relaxed with not too many rules. We had a wonderful time. Thank you so much. Hope, Adrian, and Andrew. Wow. I... I feel like I need to visit Scotland, Jake. I want to go pick blackberries and look at the cows on top of the hill. There you go. Uh, <laughs> oh, all right. I think that's probably. I think it's time to end it. Okay. It's eleven well, twenty. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm pretty tired. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, people are saying that they turn this off uh, when it starts on the recorded show, which is totally fine. Totally understandable. This is a pretty long show anyway. Uh, But yeah, so if you've enjoyed what you've heard today and you want to keep uh, supporting us, there are a few different ways to do that. The number one way is to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash crash the pond. If you go to our our page, you can support us at three different tiers. For $1 a month, you get access to our patrons only Discord server, which is a ton of fun. It's a thriving community at this point. Uh, It's filled with great people. I feel lucky to be a part of it every day. Just you never know. You never know what's going to happen, what debate is going to sprout up. We talk about hockey, of course, all the breaking news, uh, but also different topics like food. Um, You get it all in there, and that's for $1 a month. For $5 a month, you get access to two bonus episodes. And so you can get lucky, like for those on Saturday where we dropped a uh, Lindholm and Delorier reaction pod uh, ahead of schedule. We didn't expect to be talking about that, but we had planned to be recording a bonus show that night. Uh, it was a lot more unfiltered, one might say, than our regular show. Was also the tea some, spilt? There was some tea spilled for sure, um, and so we'll do that. Um, you know, some some ducks episodes as well as league wide rankings. We pick our awards winners every year. We are going to be doing a big show this week. Actually, this is one of my favorite ones we do every year. Are we doing it? We're going to be doing it. I think next weekend. This month, we're doing yes. it's it's one of my favorite ones that we do each year. We're going to be breaking down every single trade from the trade deadline, so don't miss out. And then for fifteen dollars a month, you are just an awesome person, and we greatly, greatly appreciate you. That is at Patreon.com/slash Crash the Pond. Now you don't have to pay any money to support us, though. You can just search us on Apple Podcasts, uh, search Crash the Pond, and leave us a rating and a review. We greatly appreciate those; they help the show grow tremendously and if you do leave that review we will read it on the show 
The more inside jokes uh, that you can work in, the better. We love hearing from you guys. You can also leave us a rating on Spotify. You can subscribe to us and turn on notifications on YouTube. You can get the video version of the show, see all the charts, see the maps at the end. See Jake's cat, Salem, which I don't think she's making an appearance today, sadly. Um, she she was on screen for a lot of it, did not want to be held when I went to go hold her. That's at youtube.com slash crashed upon. All your podcast streaming services. We're also on social media. Crash the Pond is on Twitter and Facebook. Check out CrashThePond.com. Ooh, new items in the shop this weekend. Yeah. For anyone in our Discord, there are now Turtle Committee shirts. Turtle Committee shirts. So and Turtle you... Committee stickers. And uh, there are now also coffee pu- coffee uh, cups, coffee mugs. So if you uh, want to rep the duck or want to rep Crash the Pond, don't necessarily want to have a shirt, want something a little bit simpler, coffee mugs are now there. Yep, so go check that out. Uh, that's at crashthepond.com slash shop. We've got a bunch of articles up on Crash the Pond right now. Huge shout out to Eric Stites, who posted was posting all day today on the trade deadline, getting all the articles up for the breakdowns. And then yep. I have an article up with some trade grades, or not trade grades, but some, uh, I guess, analysis, we'll call it, of each trade. Jake has some articles up as well. There's going to be more going up. Uh, throughout the week, I would imagine. So definitely stay tuned. Uh, Jake is on Twitter at reindeergames ninety one. I'm on Twitter at Felix underscore Sicard. I have an article coming up for, uh, about the deadline on the fourth period, so check that out. And with all that being said, happy trade deadline, everybody. Hope you had a great day. Wishing you a great rest of your week, and we will talk to you next Monday. Have a good one. Bye.